0: James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives it generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it will give birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Thank you, Oliver.
1: Well, please keep your Bibles open. Let's pray as we come to uh, the book of James. Father God, thank you for your word. Please give us insight and understanding. Please work in our hearts by your spirit. Help us to understand and know you better, uh, that we would live the way you call us to. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this evening we, uh, we're starting a new uh, preaching series in... Um, the Book of James, and we're going to be working through James over the uh, the coming weeks. All right. Well, we're looking at um, at this Book of James. Um, this is a, it's a great book. Uh, I wonder if if for anyone this is like a favourite book of the Bible. There, yep. I'm seeing a few nods, a few hands up. Yep. It often, it's, it's my favourite currently, at least. But that's because for preaching on it, and so I'm pretty fickle with that. You know, I, I sort of change what my favourite book of the Bible is. But um, it is. It's often a bit of a favourite, um, and it's got a slightly different style to some of the other New Testament letters. And there's one word that's often used to describe the book of James. What is it? Practical. Yes, you said it. It's, it's practical. It's, it's, it's got, you know, nuts and bolts, how to live as a Christian, uh, you know, wisdom about, about what to do. You know, so it talks about all sorts of topics like uh, trials, temptations, money, speech, anger, ambition, prayer, helping the poor there's lots of practical issues that are addressed in this well it's pretty short and punchy letter and so people may say things like oh yeah i like the book of james cuz you know, it's practical it doesn't get bogged down in theology and you know so this we sort of set up this distinction that well there's you know there's theology knowing stuff about god and then there's practical stuff you know like what you actually do in life and But actually to set up this kind of distinction as if they're not related to each other would be to make a mistake because actually, and you see this in the book of James, right through the book, just under the surface and often popping up above the surface is theology, is our understanding of God. And we actually need that in order to make sense of the practical wisdom of this letter because the two go together. And so I hope we'll see this as we work through this great book, that we'll see the connection between our understanding of God, if you like, theology, and how we live in practice. All right, let's, uh, let's get into it. And we start, uh, first of all, with troubles. Troubles. Now, when I say that, um, maybe all sorts of things come to mind. Tough times, difficulties. What is it that's troubling you at the moment? Maybe it's sickness or pain, uh, grief. Frustration, stress, failure, disappointment. Life uh, can be tough right? at times, perhaps, perhaps a lot of the time. And God's Word, He teaches us how to face these tough times. It says, verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, you might read that and think, gee, how... how how do you do that? What is that? How can you consider it pure joy when you face trials and difficulties? Is this some kind of you know, masochistic reverse psychology or something? Is it, is it some kind of backwards speak? Um, when my kids were were younger, sometimes they played an opposite game where, where you say yes when you mean no and no when you mean yes. Has anyone ever played this Sort the game or is it just my children? That, yeah? I'm seeing a few nods. Uh, it gets quite confusing and, uh, and usually results in someone getting really cranky with someone else. Um, you know, it's great. You should try it. Um, is that what's going on? Is it some kind of backwards speak? How can you consider it pure joy? Yippee, here come some trials. All right. How do we do this? Well, James says we need to understand our trials and troubles properly if we understand our troubles properly, then we can rejoice in the face of those troubles. Why is that? Well, it's because something good is happening. Something which, which means that we have joy, we have contentment, even though things are difficult. How does that work? Well, verse 3 explains. Fortunately, verse 2 isn't all we've got. It actually flows on into verse 3. So consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds... Oops. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So, what's going on is as we face trials, our, our trust in God gets tested, our faith is tested, and that in that it gets strengthened. And as that happens, we grow towards being mature and complete as Christians. See, one thing sort of leads to another, towards maturity and completion. That is, God does something good in us, even through troubles that we face. Our troubles result in something good. Uh, Our our troubles may come uh, for all sorts of different reasons, um, sometimes including our own selfishness, our own sinfulness, our own stupidity. Um, Troubles may hurt us, They may cause us difficulty, but actually if our trust is in God, then He uses those troubles, ultimately not for our harm, but for our good. It may not feel that way, but that's why we need to understand our troubles rightly, that if we're saved by God, if we belong to Him, that even our troubles bring about good in us, as as God strengthens our faith through them, as we build Christian muscle, if you like. As we grow towards maturity, God, our loving Heavenly Father, is working something good. A number of you have been Christians for many years and, and you may be able to testify to this. This is, this is how it works. We, you know this. You, you can see when you've gone through tough times, as you've trusted God, He's graciously strengthened and grown you through that. And you can testify that that's good. That's good. You might even say it's something to be joyful about because God's doing this good thing in me. So we can consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds because our faith in God is strengthened, we build Christian muscle, we grow and mature as Christians. Now that comes about, as I said, from understanding our troubles properly. Which takes wisdom to do that. It takes wisdom to understand things that way, which is exactly what God offers us in the next verse. Uh, verse 5: If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. What a great promise. God gives wisdom to all who ask, generously, without finding fault. But then notice the next bit: there's a condition on this. It says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So this says we've got to ask God for wisdom, believing and not doubting. Well, What does that mean? How, How does that work? Is it, you know, do we say, look, God give me wisdom, and, and, we, and we believe. we just got to believe really hard that God's going to give me wisdom, and, and, we, and we try to you know, believe and, and focus on believing and, and make sure that you know a, a doubting thought doesn't kind of creep into our head and accidentally, and you know, if, that, well, if a doubting thought does creep in, then we go, oh, blown it. No wisdom for me because I've had that doubting thought. You can sort of get all worked up about this and think, well, that's, oh, gee, you know, I've got to believe but not doubt it. Is it wrong to doubt? Is it wrong to wonder, to question, to struggle, to... No, it's not. Um, think of the, the, the psalm writers and the psalms, they often wrestle and question and wonder and struggle. It's not wrong to, to doubt in that sense. So, so what does this mean to, to believe and to, to not doubt? What's the wisdom that we're to ask for? I think people often think wisdom is about knowing stuff. Uh, it's more than knowing stuff, though. Wisdom in the Bible has got to do with how we live and what we do. So here's an example. In chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. So wisdom is understanding expressed in action. And the doubt that this is talking about in chapter 1 is it's not about asking questions, it's about being double-minded. See the word there in verse, uh, where is it? Verse eight. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. That is, they've got two minds or two two wills, moving them and pulling them in different two different directions. We might call them being two-faced. I think that kind of captures it for us. There's there's one face that's towards God and His ways, His wisdom. And there's another face that's interested in following the world and its ways. And that double-mindedness, it's not just a matter of understanding, it's a matter of the heart, it's a matter of the will. Uh, The word double-minded is used again in chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. So you see there again, this double-mindedness is a matter of the heart. It's wanting to have a foot in both camps. And James says, don't be like that. Don't, don't be double-minded. Be single-minded towards God. Ask for wisdom from God. The wisdom of seeing things, understanding things rightly, especially in the context of trials. To understand, to know that God's doing this good thing in you. Ask him for the, the wisdom of living his way. And rest assured, he'll give you this wisdom generously. But when you ask, you've got to... Ask with, with faith, that is with single-mindedness. Single-minded trust, not double-minded living with a foot in both camps. If you do that, well, you're not going to receive anything from the Lord. So there's, um, there's two responses to God when troubles test us. There's, there's faith, single-mindedness. Or there's doubt, two-faced turning from God. I think one area where this... Um, this gets sort of worked out, this double mindedness can be in, in, in the area of wealth and poverty, and that 's a theme throughout James, and uh, we, we see the contrast between the world's wisdom and God 's wisdom in this area, so that you know the world's wisdom says, "Hang on to your riches, take pride in your possessions, establish yourself, get well, secure your future, set yourself up financially." God says no, that, that's not what matters. So verse nine says believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. See, if if you're poor in, uh, in the eyes of the world, you're in a low position in this world's eyes. But James says, take pride in your high position, your high standing in Christ. Don't look down. You've been given so much in Christ. On the other hand, verse 10, but the rich... ...should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its its blossom falls, and its beauty is destroyed in the same way the rich will fade away, even while they go about their business. Uh, Our riches, our wealth, our so-called security, it's going to fade away like flowers in the sun. And when that's gone... When we stand before God on the last day, it's, it's our so-called low position, whether we trust in Jesus or not, that's what will matter. So how does that apply to you? You apply it to yourself. Where do you sort of sit with this? Maybe you're regarded as fairly successful in the world. I mean, on a world scale, all of us are, are rich. Maybe you've, you've got things sorted out. You're doing pretty well financially. You're on top of things. You're one of the winners of this world. It's not wrong to have, have money. You can do lots of good with money. But God says, don't hang on to it. Don't take pride in that, thinking, well, that's what matters. That, that's going to make me a success. No, it'll pass away. What matters is you're standing before God. Maybe you're not one of the winners in our culture. Maybe you wouldn't be regarded as successful. Maybe you don't have much money. God says take pride in your high position in Christ. You have been given so much. Saved by Jesus. Forgiven. Made right with God. Made to be a child of God. Hold your head high. See things in God's perspective. Look up. And it's actually that, it's that heavenly perspective that must drive us. And we see that again in James, as he continues in verse 12, he says there, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. See again, he's this, this persevering under trial theme. It's as we, we, it's as we have our eyes on the future, That's what's going to actually help us to persevere in the present. It's about saying, it's worth it. Stand firm in faith. You will receive the crown of life. Persevere. God is so good to us. And yet the challenge that trials and temptations bring us is that we can lose sight of that truth of God's goodness. We can start to doubt His goodness. The temptation is often to to think, well, gee, has, has God got it in for me or something? Or maybe, is God the problem? So that way of thinking, verse 13 says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after evil desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. Now God's not the problem, the problem is, is within us, it's, it's our own evil desire which leads in us away into sin, which in the end leads to death. That's the problem. It's within us. So what we have here is, well, this is the alternative of persevering in faith. As we face troubles, we can be tempted to, to turn from God and to follow our own evil desires. We can be tempted to stop trusting Him and to think He's not good to us. Which is why James warns us In the next verse, he says, verse 16, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. See, there's a real danger that troubles can deceive us into forgetting God's goodness. He says, don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. James shifts our gaze towards our Heavenly Father who gives us such good things. He's, a, he's our Father who doesn't change. He's not fickle, doing one thing today, something different tomorrow. He, no, he's sovereignly watching over us, giving us so much that He's good. And what's the greatest thing that our Heavenly Father has, has given us? Well, we've left the, la- the, the best till last. Verse 18, He chose to give us, notice birth through the word of truth that we might become sorry that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created god gives us new birth new life got two ideas of birth going on here our corrupted self it gives birth to sin which gives birth to death but god in his goodness gives us new birth through the word of truth through the gospel He creates us to be new, new creatures. The beginning of a a harvest of God's new creation. That's the idea of the the first fruits of of this new creation. That's what God has done for all who turn to him in faith. If that's something you haven't haven't done yet yourself, can I urge you to, to do that, to listen to what God says here. God graciously gives us new birth through the word of truth. And he's with us, refining us through tough times. He promises us wisdom. And he leads us through this life, through the tough times, towards an eternity with him. God is so good to us. He gives us so much. The challenge and, uh, and the encouragement for all of us is that it's a question I started with, is how do we understand our trials, our trials and troubles? We can consider it pure joy when we face trials. And I hope you're encouraged by being reminded of how much God has done for us, how much he is doing for us, even through the trials and the difficulties. I hope you're encouraged to have that, that single-minded trust that says, yes Lord, I know that You have a plan, it hurts right now, but I trust you, please give me the godly wisdom to live your way. And if we do that, if we see the good things that God is doing in us, to see that he is actually working through us, growing us, refining us, growing muscle towards maturity and completion, well then we can face even our troubles with joy. We can consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when we face trials of many kinds. It's a, it's a different perspective. It's a radical perspective on facing problems. But it's actually the perspective that is ours as people who've been born anew by the truth about Jesus. It's the perspective of people who, who have their eyes fixed on what's coming, who are, as verse 12 says, blessed. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. May we be such people. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are indeed so good to us that you shower us with good gifts. Father, we thank you for the new life that you've given us through Jesus that in your mercy, through that word of truth of the gospel, you have brought us to forgiveness and new life. And Father, we thank you that even in the troubles of life that that we face, that you are at work for our good, that you are growing us and strengthening us towards maturity and completion. And Father, we thank you that you are bringing us home to heaven, where you will give us life with you forever. Father, we pray and ask, as your word calls us, us to, that you, we ask that you'll give us wisdom, wisdom to, to always know your goodness, so that even in the tough times we'll not be deceived and tempted to stray from trusting you. Father, please keep our faith strong, that we may persevere and become mature and complete.